Amen. Well, did you know today is Palm Sunday? Did anyone know? And there's a whole lot of tradition around Easter. And some people celebrate the Lent season, which is like 40 days before the Holy Week. So we're going into the Holy Week now. And Palm Sunday was when Jesus was entering Jerusalem and he was riding in on a donkey and they were laying down their, their like cloaks and the palm branches and declaring, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Here comes Jesus. And a week later, they crucified him. But today is Palm Sunday. And we, in our church community or in the Pentecostal evangelical movement, we don't tend to emphasise, like, religious activity, if that makes sense, around these times. But I think sometimes we can be in danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um... We can get super excited about being free from the law, which we should be. Amen? Because when we're under the law, we need to follow rules and regulations in order to be right with God. And our relationship with God depends on our behaviour. Right? That's when we're under the law. Now, as born-again believers, we're not under law, but we're under what? Grace. Amen? And Jesus is the one who makes us right with God. And his sacrifice means that when we put our faith in him, he forgives us of a little bit of our sin, all our sin. Amen. I've been preaching in kids' church too much. Hey, sorry. (sighs) And he removes it as far as the... Amen. And he gives us, he takes out our sinful nature and he gives us a brand new heart, a heart to know him. And his bloodshed gives us access to what? Intimacy with God, right? Which is the very thing that keeps us free from sin. Because when you know God, you don't want to do anything that would hurt his heart or bring separation from him. Amen? So we should be very excited about that. Praise the Lord. Yes? This is good news. This is the gospel. I was dark, now I'm light. I was a slave to sin, now I'm free. I was bound by religion and tradition, and now I'm free. And John 8.36 says, Who the Son sets free is free. Amen. So we go, I'm free. I don't need any of that religion anymore. And the pendulum can swing all the way from, I've got to do, do whatever. I've got to do things to be right with God and I've got to pray and I've got to do whatever to keep this right. And we can be like, I don't need that. I'm going to swing all the way over this side and I'm free. Jesus makes me free, I'm set free. But then we sometimes can neglect some of the awesome things that facilitate intimacy with God. The very thing that Jesus um, came to give us access to. Does that make sense? So we want to find a healthy middle. Yes, we're free. Yes, Jesus gives us access to God. Yes, there's nothing we can do to earn 
like right standing with God. But far out, I can know him more every single day. And I can walk in closer union with him. I can choose things that help me facilitate this intimacy and this union with God. Does that make sense? Galatians 5.13 in the Passion Translation, it says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, Amen. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Whoa. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. Isn't that an awesome scripture? I feel like you should all like we should all take that home and read it every day this week and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But our freedom should not be an excuse for laziness, for operating in the natural realm, for partnering with sin, or gratifying our old sinful nature. In fact, true freedom looks like serving others in love. Freedom from sin means I'm free from me, which means I'm free to love. Praise God. So I guess I'm saying today, let's be open to engaging with activity that increases our intimacy with the Lord especially in this season, especially as Easter approaches. And I really just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, not just our church, saying to me personally, saying, I feel like when I prepare a message, I have to, I have to take the medicine first. It's like I'm not just picking something that I would like to preach on. I sit there and I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to the church? And so he will speak because he loves the church. So I feel like this is for me, this is for you, this is for our church, this is for every church. And the Holy Spirit, I feel like he's saying it's just time to consecrate yourself to the Lord. It's time to consecrate yourself to the Lord. And the word consecrate, it means to sanctify, to set apart, prepare, dedicate, be holy, be separate, to purify. Jesus is coming back for a church that looks like the world? No. A holy, blameless, spotless bride, right? So the Lord is saying, set yourself apart from the world. Be holy as I am holy. Prepare yourself to meet with me. Purify yourself. Man. We need to walk like ones that are set apart. What you believe is revealed by what you do. Amen? We should look radically different from the world. And the things that consume our minds and our hearts and our time and our energy, it should be radically different from just the random guy on the street. Yeah? We're the church. 
Oh my gosh, like we have Jesus, the hope of the world. We should look so different. And I just feel like the Lord, I just feel the heart of God for the church that has its foot in in both camps. It's foot in Jesus' camp and it's foot in the world. And I just feel the heart of the Lord saying, no, no, gosh, no. You're not saved to continue on your merry way in the world. It's not one foot in in the world and one foot in Jesus. It's all in or all out. It's that black and white. Amen? I know that's like, I know that's hard, but we need to swallow it. It's all in or it's all out. You're either for him or you're against him. You can't be halfway. All right? And I feel like the very thing that fuels this this state is intimacy with him. The very thing that fuels you being all in is intimacy with him. And um, there's a testimony, and it's from a few years ago, and um, when Isaiah was 11, some of you may have heard this, but I'm going to say it again because it's powerful. When Isaiah was 11, he had made a decision to follow Jesus, right? He had been baptised. He knew the gospel. He knew righteousness. He knew that he was free from sin, right? He had actually memorised Romans 6, the whole chapter. He would just rattle it off. I said, I'll give you $100 if you can memorise Romans 6. And he's like, okay. Two days later, he comes back. And he's like, what shall we say? Should we who, con- should we who continue in sin? Well, I can't even do it. Anyway, he rattled off the whole chapter. Amazing. And I was like, here's $100. <laughs> there it goes. But, okay, so he knew... He knew it. He knew it. He could talk about it. He knew it. But it didn't look like much in his life. He, he's never been like a naughty, crazy boy. But he just, like he was getting the 11-year-old attitude. You know, when kids start growing up and they get a bit too cool for school, get a bit of an attitude. I didn't tell him I was going to talk about him today. Sorry, Isaiah. Um... Anyway, he was getting a bit of an attitude and just wasn't all that helpful. Um, and at the kids' ministry at the time, I feel like all the kids had like gone through this amazing journey of having the gospel unpacked, but we weren't, and then made decisions to follow Jesus and um, they could articulate truth, but we weren't seeing it manifest in holiness or in soft hearts towards the Lord. Does that make sense? And so I went to the Lord and I was like, God, I don't know what else to do. I've taught them the truth and they know the truth and they believe the truth, but they're not walking in, in anything that looks like anything, really. Um, and I felt the Lord chuckle at me. <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> they don't know me yet, Naomi. They just don't know me yet. And... So I was like, ah, intimacy, of course. They need to know you. I didn't teach them how to know you. I've taught them about you, but I haven't taught them how to know you. So that week, it was September 2017, 
we um, went in the office over there and we started sharing about how to be intimate with God. And we led them in an encounter, the children. And just the presence of the Lord was so thick and tangible and weighty in the room. And multiple children were encountering the Lord in, in very significant ways. And I just watched Desire, who is normally like very composed, on the floor, just like weeping, just crying, crying, crying. And after it had all wrapped up, he, he stood up and I'm like, you all right? And he's like, yeah. And he grabbed me by the hand. I'll never forget. And he just said, Mum, I'm really hungry, so I'm going to go and have some lunch. But when I get back, I'm going to come straight back and I'm going to help you clean up. I was like, you could knock me over with a feather. This kid would never help me clean up. I would be, everyone would be having lunch. In those days, we had a morning service and we, we would have lunch afterwards, right? And so everyone would be having lunch and I'd just be cleaning up the kids' church and do it all myself. Anyway, so he went and had lunch and then he comes straight back, like he said he would, and he's like, I'll vacuum the floor. So he's vacuuming and he's like, what boxes need to go out to the car? I'll take them out to the car. So he takes them out and he just helps me, like he's an extra set of hands and it was amazing to have help, right? But I was just so blown away. I'm like, what the heck happened in that, in that room? And in the car, I asked him, I said, do you want to tell me about what happened? And he said, he said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I closed my eyes and I was waiting for Jesus and I saw him. He said, I saw Jesus come towards me and then he started weeping. He just was weep he was crying in the car. We're driving. I'm trying to hold it all together. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> He's seen Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I saw Jesus. And I'm like, what happened? And he said, I wanted to make sure it was really him. So I asked him a really hard maths equation that I wouldn't know the answer to. And I said, oh my gosh, what happened? And then he just started bawling. He said, he knew the answer and I knew it was the right one. And he told me that he loved me and he told me that he has plans for my life. And he just like weeping uncontrollably in the car. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then like ever since that day, soft hearted boy, he met with Jesus and Jesus took his heart of stone and gave him a heart of flesh, a heart to know him. And he's had multiple like encounters with the Lord since that time. And he's learned to hear the voice of God for himself. And that's what keeps him walking a straight line because he, he knows the Lord. Because he's met with him. He's experienced the love of God. So he doesn't have to try to be good. It's affection-based obedience. That's what we all need. Jesus says in 1 John 2, if you, if you love God, you'll do what he says. The, the way that I love God, man, the more that he loves me, the more I love him. The more I press into him, the more I love him. That's the way for me to, to be obedient. It's 
just by receiving the love of God. And then, man, my only response to that is to love him back. It leaves me undone every time. Anyway, there's a little story for you. We, we just need to encounter him more, don't we? We all do. I do. We actually do. That's what keeps us free from sin. It what, it's what keeps us separate to the world. Because, man, when you're encountering him, when you're hearing his voice, you don't want to be doing anything else. You don't want to be having your mind in any other rubbish place. Oh, all right, we're going to change gears. Revelation. 3:15 It says this is Jesus speaking to the church at Laodicea. And he says <clears throat> I know the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out my mouth. Hoy Aren't you glad that that was written for us to take heed of now so that we don't need to hear Jesus speaking that to us in the flesh? So he's giving us a warning. Don't be lukewarm, right? And when I was reading this, I just felt the Holy Spirit say there's more on that lukewarm. Because like we know what lukewarm is. It's like not hot or cold. It's just like no one wants to have a bath in lukewarm water. Um, lukewarm, the meaning in the Strong's, it says the condition of the soul wretchedly fluctuating between a torpor and a fervour of love. So I was like, I I've never heard that word. What's a torpor? So then I looked up torpor. Are you ready? Torpor, lethargy, inactivity, inaction, dormancy, dullness, laziness, stagnation, apathy, passivity, sleepiness. Ouch. All right, so lukewarm, the condition of like being, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, one day, but then another day, lethargy. What else? Inactivity, inaction, dormancy, dullness, laziness, stagnation, Apathy, passivity, sleepiness. I feel like if we're honest with ourselves, we can, all, we can all say, I've been there. I've been there, hey? But we're not called to live like that. We're not called to live like that. So I just feel like there's a fresh invitation from the Lord to seek Him. And I can't think of a more perfect time then to do it over the Easter season, but then continue to, to live that out as a lifestyle. Amen? Psalm 27 verse 8, it says, You have said, this is David, and he's writing a psalm, and he said, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. What's your heart saying when you feel the Lord saying, seek my face? What's it saying? I'm not seeking him for blessing, for power, for favour. I'm seeking him because he's worthy. He's the God of the universe and the king of my heart. I am nothing without him. He holds the universe together by the power of his word. Ah. 
And Jesus in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Knock, knock, knock. What will your response be? Knock, knock, knock. Oh, he says, I will come into him. Into him, into me, into you. Ah. Oh. Knock, knock, knock. What will your response be? Sorry, God, but I'm too busy. Sorry, God, but I'm too distracted. Sorry, God, but I'm too hurt and holding on to unforgiveness. Sorry, God, but I don't feel like it. Sorry, God, I'm too sick. Sorry, God, but it's all just too hard. Sorry, God, no one else is doing it. Sorry, God, I love the world too much. Ah, sometimes we use these excuses. There's probably a million more. Yeah. Matthew 7, 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Oh, (laughs) gosh. It's full on, hey. Full on. I'm reminding you, the road is difficult and narrow. So if it feels difficult and narrow, you're probably on the right road. (laughs) So be encouraged. Keep going. Keep going. Sometimes you just have to remind yourself when it's hard and when your flesh is like crying out, I don't feel like it. The road is narrow and only a few walk on it. You know, learn to encourage your soul. I have to talk to my soul. I have to tell my flesh, get down. (laughs) I'm going to seek the Lord. When my alarm goes off in the morning, I don't want to get up. I hate it. I hate early mornings. I'm a sleep innerer. But my alarm goes off because I want to seek the face of the Lord. So I tell my flesh, get down. I'm going to seek him. Oh. So what does it look like practically for us? I'm just going to throw a few thoughts out there. There are heaps more. This is not an extensive list. These are just a few things. Number one, get rid of excuses and open the door to him. I'm not going to say anything more about that. I feel like we've covered that. Number two, focus on cultivating intimacy with God. And I feel like there are seasons for different ways of doing this. But just learn, (laughs) man, learn to be aware of him at all times. Newsflash, he's not just there when you pray. Carla was like, he's he's ever-present. He's with us all the time. Oh, learn to engage with his spirit all the time. When you're driving in the car, when you're at work, when you're having a shower, oh my gosh, when you're doing the dishes, when you're hanging out the washing, all the time, he's with you all the time, even when you're watching TV. 
<laughs> Start acknowledging him. Ask him to help you hear his voice. Ask him to open your eyes to see and your ears to hear. Man, reading the Bible is cultivating intimacy with God. Read it. He's, he's going to speak to you. I promise that he will. Worshipping is cultivating intimacy with God. You don't have to have a voice like our amazing worship team. You can just sing to him. You can just whack on the music really loud and praise him. If I want green grass, I water it, yeah? If I want a healthy marriage, I spend time with my husband. I do things that bless him. I, I talk to him. I take interest in him. Man, it's the same with the Lord. Let's water that grass. I love Sam. Sam is a perfect example of this. We've been like, um, in our church group, we've been keeping each other accountable in terms of like, I'm praying in the spirit every day and being in the word every day. And Sam sent a little message this week and she's like, what you, what you feed grows. And she's like, I started um, just reading one chapter a day and now I've added a whole nother book to it. And so like she's feeding herself on the word of God and guess what? What does she want more of? The word of God. Amen. Okay, third one, pray. Pray, pray, pray. This is how we talk to and hear from the Lord. It's a two-way conversation. And there's a call to prayer. Both like for individuals, but also corporately. There's a call to prayer. Carve out time to pray. Discipline is not a devil. Some people need to be delivered of that one. Discipline is not a devil. Craig Rochelle says, successful people do daily what others do occasionally. And now I'm not turning this into a success thing. You don't become a successful Christian. Like, let's, don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm like, the principle is there. Man. I've, I have learned and it has been of great benefit to me to discipline my flesh to engage in spiritual activity because it feeds and builds my relationship and union with God. And I feel like we just all need to dig in. Amen? And you know what? As I pray, he speaks. Huh. He speaks. The creator of the universe speaks. <clears throat> he revives me. He refreshes me. I receive wisdom. He often tells me what to do. Do you ever feel like I don't know what to do? Guess what? The Lord loves to tell you what to do. Well, he seems to love to tell me. <laughs> he loves me. He rebukes me sometimes. Sometimes he's like, don't do that. Stop doing that. Repent for that. It's good. It feels good to be rebuked by him. It feels like he loves me. And I would much prefer that he rebuke me and keep me on the narrow road than me go off on a big tangent. Oh, praise the Lord. We won't see revival without prayer. We just won't. We won't see this church grow without prayer. And we won't see a move of God without prayer. 
Every significant move of God can be traced back to, to a person or to people who were praying. And moves of God are sustained by prayer too. <laughs> Amen. So let's get our prayer on. Practically, get in a church group, pray there. Pray when you meet for coffee with someone. We have corporate prayer every Tuesday, no, every second Tuesday, sorry. Um, Matt and Trish hosted the last one. We also pray before the service, so jump in somewhere. Number four, fast. <gasps> fast. Everyone's like, <gasps> now I'm not going to go into a huge teaching on this right now, okay? This is just a little airbrush. But simply, fasting is where you refrain from eating. You can refrain from other things. And a fast will change the way you see. It's not about twisting God's arm to get what you want. It's about throwing the things off that weigh you down. And it's about stopping consuming the things that consume you. It brings clarity. It brings eyes to see and ears to hear. And a few weeks ago, I felt the Lord say to me, Naomi, it's time to fast. And I had put fasting down for a while. I had some health things going on. Um, but... I felt him very firmly say, Naomi, it's time to fast. And I love that when God speaks, he confirms it. And a few days later, I was on the phone to someone and they said, hey, has God been talking to you about fasting? <sighs> and then a couple of days later, we were in our car and we were just driving and my 10-year-old, we weren't talking about anything spiritual, 10-year-old Micah, he's like, hey, mum, what's fasting? Can we do that? And then I go to Tom and Grace's on the Saturday and Grace tells me that the Lord's just put fasting on her heart. <laughs> Same spirit speaking to me, speaking to you. Has anyone else been feeling that? Sharon has. Great. One person. One, two people. A few people with me. Amen. Fasting, it's a way you can consecrate yourself. It's a way you can set, set yourself apart for the Lord and just get real clear on what he's saying. Fifth one, last one, obey. Simple, isn't it? I think the problem with us is that we have too much information and not enough action. That's not directed at us as a community, but just the Western church in general we are educated far beyond our level of obedience. The average person only applies 40% of what they know. Oh, gosh, that's convicting, hey? Anyway, I feel like if you're doing the four things that we've mentioned, there'll be some things that the Lord puts on your heart to obey. Or maybe right now he's just highlighting one of those things to you and it's just time to 
step out in obedience. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How about I pray for you? How about I pray for you? Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord. We want to know you, God. We don't want to just talk about you. We want to know you, God. We pray that you would help us as a church community to just set ourselves apart from from the things of this world and to seek you. And we thank you, Lord, that your word says that when we seek you with all our heart, we will find you. Oh, Father, this week we pray for the grace of God to just rest upon us individually and corporately, Lord, as we seek your face, as we set aside time to pray, to fast, to seek you, to hear you. And Father, I just pray that you would help us. Man, when Jesus was riding in on that donkey, the people couldn't help themselves. They had to put put stuff down on the road. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to put down the things that are weighing us down, Lord. Help us to put them down. That the King of glory might come in. Oh, Lord, give us clean hands and pure hearts that the King of glory might come in. Make the way straight for Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. We love you, we love you, we love you. Hmm. In Jesus' name, all the saints said, Amen. Amen.